Achieving a healthy body composition by losing fat and gaining muscle involves periods of eating at a calorie deficit, coupled with periods of maintenance and perhaps surplus. Most people that want to lose fat attempt to create a calorie deficit year-round, only to end up failing time and time again, mostly because they over-restrict and create the deficit for too long. Nonetheless, if you're going to change your body composition, it's imperative that you have the nutritional tools and skills to effectively create and maintain a calorie deficit as long as is necessary, strategically and successfully, so that you can lose the weight and keep it off in a healthy way. That's what we're discussing on this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you'll hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today on the show, we're talking about how to eat more and stay full when your calories are low. Now, why would we want to do that? Well, the reality is that if we are dieting, if we are working to lose body fat, to improve our body composition, then as I've talked about multiple times before, we need to find a way to create a reasonable calorie deficit. What that means is that we need to find ways to expend more energy than we consume. And we can do that certainly from eating less, eating less calories than what we expend through exercise and through daily movement and just our general physiological and biochemical functions on a daily basis. And, or we can uh, exercise more than what we consume as a way to create that calorie deficit. Now, in order to improve body composition, we need to lose body fat and maintain, if not improve lean muscle mass, as I said. And a good nutrition approach to accomplishing this will ensure that you can realistically and systematically do both. Not necessarily at the same time, but certainly in a way that the weight loss achieved can be maintained year round, while also contributing to overall health and happiness. So in other words, we can't be in a calorie deficit in perpetuity. As much as people try to do that, uh, it's a recipe for disaster. And the reason for that is really because that's not how the body's designed, right? We need enough calories to function. We need enough calories to promote health, to promote longevity, to get enough nutrition to our cells and to our brain and to our muscles for daily function and procreation and sex hormone production and all of those things. So we have to be very strategic about if and when we go into these fat loss phases. 
And one of the problems that we have in the Western world, in addition to trying to be in some level of chronic deficit, is that we have a hard time maintaining weight loss, right? So with, I mean, really with a little bit of structure and willpower, attaining the weight loss can come relatively easily, but almost no one can keep it off, especially when the attainment strategies happen over the short term and are done through the unsustainable practices of insert whatever your traditional dieting methodology is. So it's right, the juice cleanse, uh, a, a you know, 10 day detox, any kind of a short term, intensive, restricted, aggressive uh, dieting methodology, whereby, and, and we've all been through this, whereby you lose weight in the short term, but obviously with our daily lifestyle, stressors, habits, social setting, it's very unlikely for us to maintain that. So we don't have a a weight loss problem. We have a weight loss maintenance problem. So if we're going to effectively manage our body composition over the long term, then there are a few fundamental principles that we need to subscribe to in order to ensure optimal fat loss, calorie management, and satiety. Now, those three things are we need to be able to control for our hunger. Now, if we are in a calorie deficit, hunger is going to be present. And that's something I'll talk to in a minute. But we have to acknowledge that hunger is actually a good sign when we are working towards fat loss. Nonetheless, we still need to be able to effectively control for hunger because that is probably one of the biggest drivers of why weight loss maintenance is so hard to stick to. Now, we also need a nutrient-dense diet. Of course, there's periods where we're going to want to lose body fat improve body composition, uh, but also we need to be cognizant of the fact that we need to be getting enough nutrition to promote health, to promote longevity, and all of the things I discussed previously in terms of energy production and brain function and sleep and healthy hormone production uh, and so on and so forth. And then we also need to be able to effectively manage our calories and to some degree stay in some level of lower calorie intake. And we know that's the case uh, in all longitudinal or longevity studies of people that live the longest, live the healthiest lives, so to speak, is they're very uh, well-versed or well-able to maintain a level of calorie balance, uh, often to some level of calorie deficit. And we know that's what we need. As I said, we know that's what we need when we're trying to lose body fat. So those three things are paramount in all of this. Yet, when we're talking about hunger, when we're talking about satiety, uh, again, is we need to come back to the fact that, look, very simply, and, and health and hormones aside, is there's going to be periods of discomfort if your goals are fat loss. And so the question becomes, when I'm in a calorie deficit, I am hungry. How do I manage that hunger in the most realistic way so that I don't, quote unquote, fall off my plan? And that's really one of the problems with so many of the dieting methodologies out there is people cave when they succumb to their hunger. So how do we manage that hunger in a way that isn't going to break the bank? Well, those I'm going to go through some of those strategies here. Now, just so we can create, uh, so we can all be on the same page. Let's just define these things really quickly. So hunger is a feeling of discomfort or quote unquote weakness caused by lack of food. 
coupled with the desire to eat, okay? So we understand what hunger is. It's that feeling, that sensation in our stomach leading up to a meal where we obviously have the desire to eat. We have this level of discomfort. That's important and it's very necessary. Satiety, on the other hand, is the quality or state of being fed. And there's a few ways to look at satiety. The way I think about it first and foremost is how quickly uh, you become satiated during a meal. So when you're eating, how quickly you become full, so to speak, uh, after a meal, and then really leading up to the next meal. What's that, what's that length of time between the time you stop eating and your next meal and how satiated or how, uh, what are those feelings of fullness in that interim? Okay, so when we're working to lose body fat, we actually want, as I said, some degree of hunger because it's really a potential signal that we're using fat as fuel. And the reason for this is because in one way is our insulin levels become low enough that we kind of free up these fatty acids or these, these, these fat stores from the cells and from the muscles that can give us energy, right? If, we're, if, we are in a, uh, if we're in a lack of calories, we need energy sources and that's where our fat stores come in handy. It's extremely, extremely valuable resource. The problem is, in, you know, in many cases, we're led to believe that we need to avoid hunger for fear of a multiple things. One is that we are, we're getting low blood sugar. And this isn't to say that people don't experience low blood sugar when they go for extended periods of time without eating. There are a lot of people that go, you know, just two hours without eating and all of the sudden uh, blood sugar levels start to tank. They start to get lightheaded. They get uh, you know, cravings, they get low energy, they have a hard time thinking clearly. It doesn't mean that um, hunger is necessarily a bad thing. It's really just their body's response to, to the fuel that they're taking in. And that's something that really needs to be improved upon and can be improved upon. Now, the other aspect is when we are uh, going for periods without eating, we can go into this quote unquote starvation mode. And that's really just this super nebulous term um, that is, is frankly non-existent, especially when we're just talking about the period of time before meals. Like, look, okay, if we're going, you know, multiple days without eating calories, then of course, yes, we're, we are in quote unquote starvation mode. But the, the, the theory um, or the idea that we are starving ourselves by virtue of not eating for three or four or five or six hours is really ludicrous. And to think that because of that, all of a sudden we're tapping into our muscle mass as fuel and burning, you know, uh, valuable muscle tissue uh, in those periods of time also just is really doesn't make any sense. So there's sort of been these theories over the years in the conventional wisdom, right? Was you need to eat multiple times per day, five or six times a day to quote unquote, stoke the metabolism, as well as sort of prevent your body from going into quote unquote, starvation mode. And, you know, in theory, it kind of sounds like it could be logical, but it's simply just not the case. There's absolutely nothing wrong with going four or five or six hours in between meals assuming you're fueling yourself effectively at those meals as a means to one, and most importantly, control your calorie intake. And two is create levels of hunger and satiety, uh, feelings of fullness and satiety and, and experiencing levels of hunger in between those meals. And really the, 
the sweet spot is developing the uh, intuition to understand how your body as an individual responds to these levels of hunger and what foods you're eating in what amounts equate to what levels of hunger and satiety in between meals so that you can effectively manage that level of a calorie deficit. Okay, I hope that makes sense. So we're going to talk through a couple different frameworks or structures that I learned from one of my mentors, Dr. Jade Tita, and I've interviewed him on the, the podcast multiple times. And when I, when I break this down, it seems pretty straightforward, uh, but it, it hopefully will give you a way of thinking about things in a very logical way that you can implement right away to help you eat nutrient-dense food that's going to keep you full from meal to meal or, or satiated from meal to meal and minimize your levels of hunger in a way that also is going to help you manage your calories effectively because ultimately that's what it comes down to. So let's talk about three factors to focus on that are going to help you improve your satiety without adding too many calories. Now, the formula is PFW and what that stands for is protein, fiber, and water. And so what we want to think about is we want to think about consuming protein, fiber, and water in high amounts at each meal throughout the day because protein in and of itself is very satiating, right? And the reason for that, whereas oftentimes we've been told that fat is one of the most satiating macronutrients, and it's actually not the case. Fat is actually the least satiating macronutrient, whereby protein is the most satiating from a, uh, a satiety standpoint. So feelings of, of hunger, uh, man, helping you manage feelings of hunger by virtue of keeping your blood sugar level stable and by virtue of uh, signaling neurotransmitters in the brain, supporting your immune system, supporting your gut health, cellular health and function and so on and so forth. And so keeping levels of protein, and I've spoken about this before, is the need to keep your protein high relative to your total calorie intake. So protein is really important from meal to meal. And there's a lot of ways to consume that. Then fiber, right? Fiber is something that we get from fruits and vegetables and starchy carbs and grains. And that is something that's very good at creating bulk in our digestive system. And when uh, we create bulk, we stretch the uh, if you, you can just think about it as, as basically a balloon, if you will. And when we, as our stomach being like a balloon, and when we start to stretch the balloon, it signals that we activate these stretch receptors in the stomach that signal the brain to activate our uh, hormones like leptin and ghrelin that tell our body, that tell our brain that we're getting enough food, we're getting enough nutrient nutrition and we can tone down those signals of hunger and cravings and activate those feelings of satiety and fullness. And so that's something that fiber is great for, that consuming a ton of vegetables and fruit and, and even starchy grains because they're very high in fiber. And then of course, water. And there's plenty of research to show essentially that, you know, in some studies, basically drinking a certain amount of water leading up to a meal and or during a meal does the same type of thing that I just described as far as activating these stress stretch receptors, signaling the brain that nutrition is coming in and that we can dampen those signals of hunger. And, and then equally is, is that there's, there's studies done on feeding protein specifically from protein shakes 
before meals that lead to subjects consuming less food in the meals after those after that protein intake. So if you can imagine essentially a couple different studies, but one would be uh, drinking a large glass of water before a meal and then how it contributes to the amount of food that you would consume. Similarly is drinking a protein shake and then a protein shake with, so let's clarify here. So protein shake, let's just think about a protein powder in water. So we have protein, we have water, no other macronutrients really, maybe a little bit of carbohydrate from the protein just depends, but certainly no fat, very minimal fiber, if any, uh, as it, as it contributes to uh, how much you eat at the meal. And then, um, comparatively to, uh, a shake that a similar shake that also has fiber in it, uh, the protein and fiber goes a lot further in in terms of creating that level of satiety, thereby helping the subject more effectively manage the amount of food that they're consuming. And this is something that I implement. If you're one of my clients listening, you know that this is something we've talked about as a, a quote unquote preload as something, let's say, for example, you're going to a holiday party and you know that the food options are going to be very limited. Uh, and so you want a trick or tip to help you manage the amount of food that you consume. So you don't show up and you're already ravenous Instead, what you can do is you can consume a protein shake that has some fiber in it that's going to help you hit your protein goals for the day, but it's also going to help create that level of bulk and feelings of, of fullness and satiety that are going to thereby help you more realistically manage the amount of food that they, you then want to consume during that time period. And so there's a lot of different ways to do this, as I alluded to, is, is simply doing a protein shake as one of your meals. Uh, and this can be whey protein, it can be casein protein, it can be a plant-based, like a pea protein. It doesn't really matter. You kind of, I mean, there is some research to show that like casein can be more satiating versus whey. And then it's also going to be really important to understand what else you're getting in the protein shake. But for all intents and purposes, let's just, you know, let's just talk about a protein powder. So whey or casein or pea protein coupled with some, some fiber and this can be a fiber supplement. Uh, what I usually suggest is something like a psyllium husk fiber. Now, it's not the most delicious thing to consume. I'll be very honest with you. It's uh, sort of the, the texture is initially somewhat gritty. And the longer you let it sit in your shaker bottle, the more uh, gelatinous it becomes because it really, it's a, uh, it's a fiber. So it's going to absorb water. It's going to create bulk. Uh, and fill you up, which is a good thing in and of itself. Now, if it's all going to really depend on your palate. Okay. But within that, when we're talking about calorie intake, when we're talking about managing your hunger, it's important to understand that, and this is where I think people can get in trouble, is it's very enticing to think, oh, all I need to do is, is have a shake or eat a bar. Uh, and I can seemingly do that multiple times per day. But what we see happen here. And frankly, I'll, I'm just going to speak a little more anecdotally. I'm not exactly sure what the research supports, but I certainly know anecdotally what we see happen is it, it ultimately becomes a recipe for disaster in terms of people that do more shakes and bars more consistently also experience a lot more feelings of hunger to the degree that they end up almost uh, eating more later on, whether it's the, the night at night, you know, before bed, whether it's on the weekends whether it's, and, and really it's that chronic cycle 
of we try and starve ourselves or overly restrict during the day because we think we're making good decisions and or during the week. And then all of a sudden, you know, the weekend becomes an absolute disaster to the degree that we end up eating significantly more calories than we would have consumed otherwise by eating real food. And, and there goes our calorie deficit. And so instead, what I would suggest here is that eating real food is always going to be more satiating. So we talked about protein, we talked about fiber, we talked about water, we talked about a protein shake plus fiber plus water as one of those solutions. Now let's talk real food as it pertains to those three things. An example very simply is chicken breast plus veggies, right? We have, so you can imagine uh, if we have, let's just say 40 grams of protein powder plus a fiber supplement that we drink down as a shake. Well, it's going to go down quickly. There's very minimal chewing, if any, involved. Uh, and so to some degree, um, it's not giving us that level of satiety that we would get from consuming something like, hmm, let's say six or seven ounces of chicken breast coupled with, you know, maybe a two cups of uh, low starch veggies. Think things like um, you know, leafy greens, like peppers, like cucumber, like celery, things that also have fiber. They also have water. They also are going to take up bulk in the stomach. But the difference really is, I think the signals to the brain that are, that are stimulated in terms of just the effect, the mastication, just the chewing that we go through, uh, to break down those foods that the salivary amylase, the, the, the digestive enzymes that really start well, it starts once we start thinking about food. If you start thinking about a donut right now, all of a sudden you might start salivating. And when we salivate, we produce enzymes in our saliva that help break down carbohydrates specifically. And then of course, as we're chewing and masticating and we're, we're breaking down the food more and more as it goes down our digestive system uh, in terms of you know hydrochloric acid production in the stomach and, and, and um, pancreatic enzymes and, and bile to help break down fats. And so it's a very complex digestive process. But the point is that eating a real food meal. So if we have two meals, if we have a shake with fiber and a chicken breast with broccoli, maybe both of those things are 250 calories as an example, but the 250 calories of chicken breast and broccoli are really going to go a lot further in terms of keeping us full for longer. For most people, we're all very different, but for most people, I'd argue that the real food is going to go much further. So if you're approaching this from a situation of my calories are low, I'm, I'm still meeting my daily calories, but I'm doing multiple shakes and or bars. Well, then what I would say to you is I would say, let's switch up those shakes and bars for more real food because of the very processes that I just described. The goal here is still to keep the calories lower from high amounts of lean protein. So we're trying to minimize the amount of fat that we're consuming, again, just in this particular case, because we are working to lose body fat. And so we could do chicken, we could do uh, veggies. One of the things that I recommend people do in addition to the shakes and the real food it would be the KSS. And this is what I call the kitchen sink salad. As you can imagine, uh, the kitchen sink salad, you know, everything but the kitchen sink is we're basically just raiding the fridge. We're taking a big bowl. We're throwing in a whole bunch of leafy greens. I'm going to take leftover a cucumber and throw it in there, maybe chop up some celery or shredded carrots. I can throw some peppers in there. I could throw in, you know, some, 
things like olives or maybe a little bit of avocado or a little bit of uh, maybe a, a little bit of cheese that's going to add some flavor like feta as an example, which happens to be high in protein, relatively low in fat. And then we've got this massive meal that's going to create a ton of bulk in our system. It's going to provide a ton of nutritional value and hopefully keep us very satiated for a very long period of time. Of course, we're throwing in something like chicken or steak or whatever lean protein source of your choosing. And then we would just want to be cognizant of how much extra calories we're putting in from fat. That's where people really get in trouble from a salad standpoint is putting way too much dressing on way too much fat. Uh, and so my suggestion for the dressings for salads would be really doing something that's calorie free. Now there's some calorie free dressings that you can get at places like Sprouts or Whole Foods. And one of the brands is Walden Farms and frankly kind of tastes like crab, but it is what it is. You can also do things like apple cider vinegar, balsamic vinegar, lemon juice, a little bit of olive oil if you're, if you're okay, adding a little bit of fat to it uh, to flavor it and so on and so forth. And so that would certainly be something that I would suggest. Okay, so that walks us through the idea of, we wanna make sure we're including plenty of protein, plenty of fiber, plenty of water at each of our meals. And if we're struggling to uh, stay satisfied from meal to meal and we're doing shakes, then what I would suggest is making sure you're consuming more real food and also making sure you're consuming more vegetables in the process. And now, while vegetables are a great source of fiber, starchy carbs like rice and, and whole grains and, and potato, even specifically potato, like white potato is actually a very nutritionally dense, very fibrous carbohydrate source. However, in this particular case, which I would absolutely recommend that most people consume as part of their quote unquote healthy diet again, is we just have to be cognizant of how the calories are adding up. So that's why I'm speaking to it in this context. In no way am I saying that starchy carbs are bad or shouldn't be included. So don't misquote me there. Instead, I'm saying in the context of eating a lower calorie diet, this is a way to navigate that by sticking with more low starch vegetables uh, and, and higher fiber foods. Okay. So the, the last thing that we're going to touch on, and then I'll just give you a, a really quick example is the 4S formula for managing your, your hunger and finding the right diet for you. So again, it's, it's, we're all very individualized. I will constantly speak to that in all of my conversations with you um, because I think it's so important for us to acknowledge that what works for Becky down the street um, you know, or Jim in accounting, uh, just because keto worked for them or paleo works for them or they're doing HCG and you know they've lost whatever, 20 pounds in 20 days, like that's great. But if you've been down that road and you've realized it worked and then all of a sudden it didn't work, then that's not the right thing for you. So instead is acknowledging I'm going to follow these principles. I'm going to make sure I'm getting enough protein. I'm going to make sure I'm getting enough fiber. I'm going to make sure I'm managing my calories effectively. And then also understanding that I need to figure out and, and, and understand what works best for me. So I may have a protein shake for breakfast and I may be hungry an hour later, in which case, okay, cool. Noted that the protein shake plus the fiber really wasn't something that kept me satisfied for three or four or five hours in between meals, which I think is a very realistic timeframe uh, to be eating, uh, to not eat food. 
before your next meal. There's no reason we should need to eat five or six times a day, as I alluded to earlier. Instead, is thinking three or four meals a day is what works best for most people. So what can you consume in those three or four meals that's going to help you manage your calories and stay somewhat satisfied? And you're just going to have to figure out the right combination for you. Or of course, I can help you figure that out through our smart nutrition coaching program. Uh, and so just a little shameless plug there, because that's what we do is we help you identify the, uh, the, the drivers of hunger and satiety that are going to work best for you based on where your calories need to be for your specific goals. Now, the 4S formula for managing health and finding the right diet for you. And this is uh, the four S's here, and it really could be five S's, but four S's are soups, salads, scrambles, and shakes. And we could add a fifth as stir fry. So when we think about kind of protein, dense meal, fiber, and water, we can refer to this 4S formula. Soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries. Because what is in those? Like, what do we think about uh, when you're thinking about a soup, when you're thinking about a scramble, right? It's a protein source. So in the scramble, it's an eggs and, and some sort of veggies, right? Uh, when we think about a soup, it's, it's uh, veggies, maybe proteins, maybe we're putting some chicken in there. And of course, water, there's a lot of water in there. When we think about shakes, we've got a protein source, we've got hopefully some veggies, maybe a little bit of fibrous fruit and a liquid, some sort of water-based source. So all of these things, and then stir fries, of course, is going to be a protein plus a veggie. And so you can kind of base the majority of your meals around this 4S formula as a means to help you manage your calories, help you stay satisfied and full from meal to meal. And the reason this works well is because it's relatively low carb. So it's helping us manage our calories. It's, it's relatively low fat. And, and so again, is it's thinking about maybe spending 90% of the time focused on those. I hope that makes sense for you. So let's think about a, a little scenario and then I will wrap things up for the day. Uh, and so the way that I think about it, and this is the way that might work for you, it certainly works well for a lot of my coaching clients is uh, three or four meals per day, as I alluded to finding the right combination of protein, of low starchy carbs, of minimal amounts of fat so that we can control our calories and stay in this level of a deficit without getting too hungry and sabotaging ourselves. And so one way we could do it is we could do a scramble for breakfast. We could do a shake. And again, as a scramble, I think about typically what I'll do is I'll do some sort of, you know, maybe a cup of egg whites, one or two whole eggs. We can add, certainly add a little more protein from something like leftover ground beef or turkey or chop up a little bit of ham or deli turkey in there, mix in a bunch of veggies. So you can throw a couple handfuls of spinach in there. It really onion, pepper, tomato, mushrooms, whatever, whatever you want to do, but you're adding a lot of bulk, you're adding a lot of fiber, you're adding a lot of nutrition. And, and seemingly it's something that then is going to keep you satiated for a very long period of time, which is the key to success here with eating in a calorie deficit. Now, then what we could do is we could do a shake. And this is something I would think about as sort of a post-workout or an, an intra-workout shake of some sort, and then followed by the KSS lunch, which is right, the kitchen sink salad, where we just kind of raid the fridge and pull out a bag of greens, dump the greens into a bowl and throw on whatever our vegetable du jour is, plus some sort of low calorie dressing, plus whatever protein source we want. We are a 
sentence as an example, we're in the middle of this house renovation, which is also why I'm using this office, I think I mentioned. And so yesterday I went to uh, Trader Joe's and because we have no food in the house, our fridge is barren and we're going to be without kind of the kitchen for the next couple months. So we're going to have to figure out what it is we're doing. And I'll share more about this and what we're going to do in the next uh, couple of weeks with you and give you some strategies and show you some samples. But uh, what I did was I just went to Trader Joe's and I picked up a couple of their pre-packaged salads. And then I picked up a bag of their pre-cooked chicken breast. And so now I have uh, a really easy way of, I can eat a couple of the salads. I can ditch the dressing. I could squeeze on just a little bit of lemon juice or have whatever low calorie or calorie free dressing I want. And then I can add and, and bump up the protein intake with some of the chicken breast. So in my mind, that makes something that's a very nutrient dense, hearty meal that also is going to help me keep my calories a little bit lower. Uh, and then for dinners, you could do any of the above, but you certainly do some sort of stir fry, right? So you can take your pan and you can chop up a bunch of veggies and you can use a little bit of oil or just use a nonstick skillet and then throw in again, your your protein of choice, and boom, all of a sudden, you, we've laid out four really realistic meals for you uh, that you can implement daily that are going to help you stay satisfied, manage your calorie deficit, and continue to uh, do great with your plan. So go ahead and plug those things in. I hope this is helpful for you. If you want to talk about what it looks like for your unique biochemistry for you as an individual and how we use specific assessment strategies to help you manage your calorie intake, uh, to help you manage your weight, to realistically uh, hit your weight loss goals in a way that isn't going to be restrictive, isn't going to be limiting and allows you the flexibility and freedom to eat what you want within reason because we provide you with a clear-cut structural framework based on you, your individual preferences, and your lifestyle, then just shoot me a message here in Facebook. Just shoot me a DM in Facebook or shoot me an email, uh, or you can schedule a free nutrition strategy call uh, so that we can see if the program is right for you. And if so, I will absolutely invite you into the Smart Nutrition Coaching Program. So if that's something that interests you, just shoot me a DM in Facebook and or you can go ahead and schedule uh, your free nutrition strategy call at bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. The link is in the show notes. As always, I appreciate you guys. I hope this uh, session was valuable for you. Uh, if it was, do me a favor and leave a five-star rating and a positive review in iTunes. And uh, I will catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.